0: And I went up to an AME Zion church, as a matter of fact. And the lady was singing, some lady was singing, Yes, Jesus Loves Me. And people started shouting. You know what I mean, yes, Jesus? Yeah, yeah. People were shouting. And it hit me as I was sitting there, my God, as a so-called black militant, I have nothing stronger to offer than Jesus.
1: Could it be just me? What up, what up? I want to welcome you all back to the Socks and Sandals podcast where society, culture, history, and religion collide and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. It's your guy, Emmanuel. I'm back in the kitchen, I'm whipping it up, and you are now tuned into episode 105 um, James and Nikki, part two, a continuation of Oba and I kind of breaking down, listening, and reacting to clips. From the conversation between james and james baldwin and nikki giovanni that took place in london in 1971 one thing i forgot to do and i apologize y'all i forgot to in the show notes i don't i don't remember i need actually need to check it but off the top of my head i don't think i put the link to the to the full um youtube clip of this or youtube video of this in the show notes so it's a two hour conversation i will put the link in the show notes um if you can carve out time in your day, like, please do it. And, you know, it's, it's, I know it's two hours. It's, it's a long conversation, but it is so worthwhile. It's an amazing conversation. So I encourage you all to do that when you get a chance. Also, if I sound a little funny, I'm under the weather. Um, luckily, I have a little bit of a voice right now. Yesterday, uh, which was a, a Monday. Normally, that's when I do my final edits before I put out the show. But, man, I had zero voice so um, excuse the hoarse voice and extra bass, um, even though extra bass is not it's not that bad. I'm, I'm kind of digging it. But, um, but anyway, so for this episode, I just wanted to give you all just a quick, a quick overview of what you're going to be hearing. So I, we're going to have like four clips that we um, listen and react to. So the, the first clip, it, it was James Baldwin, and he was talking about basically how we how we raise our kids, man, how are we going to inform them about the world that they're coming into? How are we going to give our kids the game? And so naturally I answered most of that (laughs) because I have two kids. Uh, my son is nine, Elijah, my daughter is four Riley. And, um, yeah, just basically giving insight of the type of people I want them to be. And, uh, yeah, y'all gonna hear it. So, uh, the second point, um, it was Nikki, mostly Nikki Giovanni talking about, you know, taking care of her own, and she's like, you know, I'm more worried about my brothers and sisters here in America of the as opposed to trying to worry about everyone else in, in the diaspora. So she's taking more the way I see it was she was taking more of a focused approach as opposed to a broader Garvey like approach when it comes to liberation of black folks. So, yeah, and that so. Um, That's the third clip. The fourth... No, that's the second clip. The third clip that we touch on is... It was James Baldwin, and he was saying something to the effect of... We're not obliged to believe the definitions that others give themselves. We have to make our own definitions and rule the world that way. Uh, I love every bit of what he said there. Um, And the fourth clip was basically a longer extended version of what you just heard in the intro so it was nikki giovanni talking about how she went to that church and not having anything stronger to offer black folks other than jesus and then james baldwin um kind of interprets what she says and gives his take on it you know so um, without further ado nikki and james part
2: two <laughs> Than the life living, life it is about the children. We have to give the children something, which in a way was after all given to us, though we had to learn how to translate it. Because your kid will be moving in a very different world than the one in which I grew up, which he won't know anything about at all, or, or the one in which you grew up, which will be remote for him, and yet he comes out of it and has got to carry it much further than you or I will be able to carry it. He's
0: got to have respect for it, but not be trapped
2: by it. Precisely. You had to give both, give it to him, and liberate, it, liberate him from it. Mm. I thought
3: that that would have been a question for you, mm. because I wondered how do you give the game um, to those that are coming behind you. I talk about your daughter and your son. Mm-hmm. I talk about um, rest in peace to any of the young people that we've been able to mentor along our journeys, mm-hmm. and really see. Um, we try to have them do better than we had an opportunity to for sure or give them a little bit more of the game than we had an ability to um to intake so uh how do you how do you give a child the game or how do you, how are you planning on giving those that are coming behind you the game um and and teaching them to be in the world but not of the world you know what mm. i'm saying mm. and especially when it comes to success when it comes to cli- climbing ladders of success no matter what success looks like mm-hmm. um how do you teach both of those? It's like teaching a child to be smart versus teaching a smart, a child to be kind. Mm. Well, it,
1: they need to be smart and kind.
3: I mean, of course, ideally,
1: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> of course, but you know, sometimes they conf- they conflict and sometimes, you know, people have to choose, you know, between one or the other. So mm-hmm. yeah, my question is how do you, how are you planning on giving the game?
1: Mm. Man, it starts with truth. Um, And it starts with just telling the truth as best as I know it to them Um, and just putting in them that which is going to be valuable for them moving forward. So for my son, what I've started to do is um, even though he's only nine years old, you know, I, I made him to to read well he started reading Emotional Intelligence
3: 2.0 Is that a children's book?
1: No not <laughs> at all it's as adult you know as it comes but planting a seed of emotional intelligence uh, you know there's so much knowledge there's so much history there's so many things that one can think is true but then over time that truth is bent A little bit or you were just you just misunderstood something because it became common knowledge, which just means that everybody thought about it and related to it it the same way. Didn't question it. And so that's just how things were going. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: But emotional intelligence will allow you to deal with people in a way that they should be dealt with. And, and it'll never, it's timeless. And when you say emotional
3: intelligence, is it knowing that you're feeling frustrated right now and being able to convey those feelings and knowing that you're feeling sad right now and being able to convey those feelings? It's, what it's, do you mean by
1: emotional intelligence? Yeah, it's, it's that it's communicating with people, just knowing how to communicate with people mm-hmm. and knowing how to um, not trigger them or if they are triggered, knowing how to deal with that in a constructive manner. Um, that allows you to continually communicate with them in a in a in a constructive way. So, like, um, not not getting and I and I have an issue with that. So I know, <laughs> you, <No. laughs> you know, that I have an issue with that. Oh, you know that I don't. And if you don't know it, I do.
3: Now you do. Now it you comes know. out
1: all the time and, and it's hard for me to control it. But it's it's part of how I was raised. And it was also part of uh, a reward system in the culture of being able to debate being right, and that was like put on a pedestal, you know. Uh, especially, especially in college, man. Like when I uh, when I got in a political science class and I just killed the debates, I was rewarded for arguing. <laughs> I got an A. I was like, yo, in my professor's like, man, you should be a lawyer. You'd be greatest. Mm. I was like, nah. My dad was a paralegal. I don't want to go into that profession. Mm. I know what that grind is like, and I'm, I'm that's not me. But subconsciously, I still was rewarded for being able to communicate in that way, um, and so I value that too much. You see what I'm saying? Which is okay. not good. Oh, I know what you're saying. You know, so <laughs> know. you know exactly. So it, it's not conducive for community building. For community building for interpersonal relationships. Absolutely. All of that. And so to be and he didn't have to be a leader of a whole bunch of people, but just to be a leader and just for to be likable and being able to work with people and just being able to carry out what you want to do in this world. It would help if you know how to talk to people Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. because you need people. Mm -hmm. You need to value people and you know how to communicate and you need to have a nonviolent form of communication. And so if you can communicate in that way. And know how to deal with people you will never be at a disadvantage they'll always want to hire you or if you come and you try to recruit somebody they'll want to work with you they'll want to play on your team right you see what i'm saying and so if you can become that type of person all the other knowledge is going to come you don't have to be the most knowledgeable because by the time my son is is in college what's what's knowledge you got google you got smart everything is smarter than you you have artificial he's going to grow up in an artificial intelligence world. So the premium of memorizing and being, quote unquote, intelligent is going to be far different. That that level. I want him to be smart. Hmm. So he needs to be witty. He needs to be able to think quickly and be able to process information and know how to deal with people and process emotions and deal with that. But the the intelligence part and man, you can Google Alexa. I don't know what Alexa is going to be. I don't know what Siri is going to be 15 Go- years what from now, gonna be. what Google's going to be. Right. You know, I don't know what type of neural link he's going to have in his brain or all these people. So it's like you being smart and memorizing all this stuff. That's cool. But you need to know what's real. No doubt. You know, so I'm going to teach him about history because if you don't know where you came from, you can't really build upon where you're going. So I'm going to give them the truth about that. I'm going to give them the truth about racism, about race as a social contract, As I see it, white supremacy, this is what it is. Don't be fooled. Don't be deceived. Don't let somebody tell you that it doesn't exist. It exists. You don't have to be a slave to it. You don't have to be a perpetual victim to it day in and day out. But just know you were born in this world. This is a function of it. And you can rise above it if you know that it's there so that when you see it pop up, you can step to the you know, side
3: you know how to identify it. exactly I really think that's a great way of showing how that that's emotional intelligence as a man I know that's something that I could work on and I know that if yeah that would have been great for somebody in my younger days to be able to give me a little bit of 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 game mm-hmm. as to how to properly do that because I think that that's something that I really enjoy doing and something mm-hmm. that I could be good at maybe even a gift but I wish I you know just Somebody would have given me game. Yeah. How much of that is going to differ from differ with your daughter? Because, as I understand it, the feminine principle of our understanding mm-hmm. is community based. Is very emotionally intelligent. Mm-hmm. What game is there for her to get about how to stick and move in this culture?
1: It it the foundation is. Is truth and and emotional intelligence, but um, I think with my daughter, I just have to be everything that I want for her. Tell me more. I have to be the man that I want her to be able to marry or to seek. If she ever seeks a husband, he needs to be, if not me, better than me. I'm not, I'm saying. No, no. <laughs> Big pause on that. If no, not you me. <laughs> know what I'm saying. I'm just saying, like me, if not like me. Right, right. Now I got you. Then better than me. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. And so, um, and I don't want her to be misguided on how a man should treat a woman. Period. Because. A lot of people seek after things that they didn't get. They try to overcompensate for things that they they didn't get. So they'll put up with certain things just because they're getting this thing. So I want her her standard and her bar to be high as as far as knowing what a quality man looks like and how a quality man treats a woman. And so that she'll never be misled and misguided by a man. Because truth be told, um, especially when, especially when, a, a, if like if a woman is, is older and she uh, doesn't, you know, she's achieved a lot individually, but doesn't have a family, doesn't have, yeah, doesn't have kids, doesn't have a man or whatever, to have a husband, um, and gets into a desperation stage. I probably shouldn't speak on this because I'm I'm not a woman, but I I just feel like there are certain people that like accept some things that they normally wouldn't accept if it, if they weren't chasing after certain material or just like personal accolades Mm -hmm. or accomplishments, individual accomplishments as, as a woman. Um, but that, that desire to be a mother and not be, Not starting as at a at an older age, you know what I mean. I think it's it's ideal if you can have kids at a younger age, because then you have the energy to deal with them, and and you're you're at peak health. Your biological clock isn't ticking, but when that biological clock ticks, then uh, it
3: compromises you a little
1: bit. It compromises. It it can. can. I feel I feel like it can. I. You guys can cancel everything that I just said if, if it doesn't apply, because I really don't know. I'm just guessing. But um, and I don't I don't have any obviously any background as a woman. So I can't really truthfully speak to that. But just like that's just the way I perceive it. So I don't I don't want her to ever be in a position to compromise who she is just because of those certain wants and needs in this world. And so all I can do as a man, I can't teach her how to be a woman, but I can just teach her, you know, what this is the type of man that you want in your life. If you're gonna settle down with the man, and so I'll I'll do that, and that's that's all I know at this point. <laughs> as you know, as she's four years old, and you know what I mean, I'm just having fun and whatever, playing or whatever. But like I don't, you know, it's, it's going to be a a whole different conversation. You ask me when she's 13, what I, what am I going to do to give my daughter the game? Shoot, man, it's going to be coming at me so fast, bro. I'm probably going to have a different outlook on how I'm going to approach it, or I'll take a take a more, I don't know. Just more active approach with it. But.
3: And active as in willing to change, willing to adapt with whatever is going on in our lives. Yeah. Or actually, I'll,
1: I'll probably know some things. Like right now, I don't know because mm-hmm. I haven't raised a woman. But right mm-hmm. now, she's for I don't know what I'm going to do. But <laughs> at this point, that's all I can do is just uh, ask, aspire to be the man that she would accept in her life. Very the type cool. of man that she would accept in her
3: life. That's beautiful. Man. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really like that you were talking about a women in professional um, situations, mm-hmm. women that have high achievements. Work. Jordan Peterson had a really, really interesting part of one of his lectures in that um, in the law industry, in the law field, mm-hmm. <clears throat> what happens is, in, in many situations, um, you have to work like a dog to get to where you want to get to, For sure. right? And mm-hmm. women have all the capabilities in the world of walk, working up to these potentials um, and working them way their way up to partner, which is, you know what I mean, one of the most illustrious parts of being a lawyer Mm -hmm. is if you can be a partner in a firm you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so that is you know what I mean that's peak production that's peak achievement that's peak accolade for sure Um, and what happens is once they once they achieve that position they see that you're working 60 hours a week every Mm -hmm. week Mm -hmm. and the quality of life doesn't improve that dramatically Mm -hmm. and a lot of times a lot of women stop being in those positions because they feel family is more valuable They feel living life is more valuable than a 55 or 60 hour week. And they're smart enough to say, no, I don't want this for me. They're Mm -hmm. not a Jeff Bezos who probably sleeps three hours a day Mm -hmm. and is constantly at work throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Um, Women are smart enough to say, no, this isn't for me. This Mm -hmm. isn't something I'm even remotely interested in. So I find it interesting that you want to talk to her about love and you want to talk to him about life. Mm. Connecting with people, being able to receive other people's information and things like that. Mm-hmm. And you're telling her, well, you're showing her, you're not even telling her, you're showing her what a life of connection and positive positivity with a partner could look like. Mm-hmm. Or that's what you would wish for her. So, mm-hmm. um, Thank you for, thank you. Yeah, me I mean, she's, like you
1: said, she's a woman, she's already more of an emotional oh, being than my son is. Absolutely.
3: Probably more than me. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably like for real for real and I more would, than Oba well. I wouldn't doubt your four year old daughter is probably more emotionally intelligent yeah. than I am yeah. so
1: it's like I want to fill in the gaps hmm. so respect. teach her that masculine principle and teach him that feminine principle respect man Word.
2: and what you watch is that he knows it really he doesn't think that you know it he doesn't think anybody will tell him. And if it comes in, as we were saying earlier, if, if he allows that to enter into his guts, he's a very different person. He may, be, he, it may, he, it, he may explode. He doesn't know what will happen if he allows this apprehension of someone else's experience enter into him. Right, because
0: he's perpetuating his experience.
2: And this is, this is, this is, this is, the, this is the crisis of the age. This is what Malcolm really meant when he said that white is a state of mind. You
0: know, argue that. Uh, on a certain level, because I tend to be um, parochial, one thing, and I tend to care about Afro-Americans, which I would define as the sons and daughters of slaves and slave owners.
2: Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
0: I have uh, that doesn't,
2: by the way, sound very parochial to me.
0: It's very parochial because I don't care about my third-world brothers and sisters and things like that that I'm sure I should. But as we,
2: you mean you're responsible for a certain situation?
0: I, I just can't deal with it. Yes, I. I think that if everybody dealt with their own little situation, yes. if I deal with my block and mm-hmm. you deal with your block, Malcolm we'll have two, said,
2: two good. And Malcolm people. said that too. Yeah.
0: So when we deal with flight as being like a state of, well, Malcolm said everything.
1: Mm. That was a lot, bro. That was a lot, bro. Everybody deals with their own corner. Everybody deals with their own dust under their carpet. mmm I, and that's that's what I was saying about reparations. I do what mine, you do what George will, but mm, whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, Thank you for sure. bringing that in. Yeah.
3: Um, we're not, I guess it is a sum of individual parts is mm-hmm. what makes a community. Mm-hmm. And what I struggle with is <clears throat> wanting to do for the black diaspora. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I want to specifically is because I am not solely part of one diaspora or one portion of the diaspora my blood is very much traceable to two cities in nigeria yeah so you're not a part of the diaspora at all i'm part of the african diaspora i'm not part of black america outside of socialization well how how do you define the diaspora is the diaspora is like the people of all in the entire world of this commonality so when we talk about the African diaspora, we talk about Trinidad, we talk about Brazil, we talk about everybody that is a part of the African lineage or ancestry. Everybody that has blood trace, you know, trace back to Africa. That is the diaspora.
1: So we're all so p- all Africans are diaspora, or all Africans and those of African descent, you would define as diaspora. That is the African diaspora. So if somebody lives in Africa to this day, they're a part of the diaspora. Absolutely. But they didn't disperse. The diaspora is still the collection. Right? No. I mean, the way that I would define diaspora, I think it is defined as like people that have been dispersed from a certain area. So um, the African diaspora, as far as I know, the definition is. Typically, that's referring to Africans that were dispersed via the transatlantic slave trade. That okay. is, that is the African diaspora. So, if you're just somebody from Nigeria, Ethiopia, whatever, and you, and you just moved somewhere, like I'm not, you're not, you're not considered the diaspora. You're just someone who moved. But if somebody who was like an involuntary, involuntarily immigrated from Africa to another, um, to another continent, another country, then that is what. People define as or refer to the African diaspora. Oh, okay, thank yeah. you. Yeah, now, yeah, I mean that's that's the way I've been. Thank you. Told. So my know. mother is not part of the African diaspora, but I am. No, you're not. You're not because your mother is not, according to that definition of being dispersed via the transatlantic slave trade.
3: Oh no, that no. This it, it talks about. Okay, let me see. I'm definitely not going to uh, talk about. Well, this is Google, just real quick. The dispersion of any people from their original homeland, the diaspora of a boat people from blah blah blah. So let's say Marion Webster is the first, uh, the first link, and the definition that we have is Jews, um, Jews, um, ancient Palestinian Jews. Uh, second definition is people settle far from their ancestral homeland. People, the place where these people live, the movement, migration or scattering of a people away from an established or ancestral homeland is what Merriam Webster is giving to us. So I understand the involuntary part and I can kind of agree with that, in which case mm-hmm. my mother, again, is not part of the African diaspora that is, you know, outside of Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am because I had no choice in being in this country. I had no choice in being um, socialized here. And I didn't have another opportunity. I didn't have a choice in where I wanted to be socialized. Mm. So in understanding the American way, whenever I leave this country, I represent America more than I represent any other country. Do you
1: have citizenship? Mm -hmm.
3: Dual citizenship? Yes, sir. Mm. Okay. So wherever I go, I am representing America. People don't see me and say, oh, or people see me see Africa. They hear me. They see. They hear America, mm-hmm. and that is. Uh, I lost my train of thought when it came to that.
1: Well, she was. She was talking about um, care.
3: There we go. Care consideration. Like who yeah. are you who are you fighting for? Thank you. Yeah. The, so I feel like I am uniquely capable of being able to go to Africa, go to Nigeria, go to Ghana, go to South Africa, mm-hmm. and speak about. What life in America is like. Mm -hmm. Relay to them what is really going on with black America as a culture. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is something that I find very important for us to have a conversation that helps us all. I don't think that you taking care of your corner... Me taking care of my corner, if this corner is all you know, then cool. If you've never left Portland, of course you should be taking care of Portland. If you've never left New York, of course you should be taking care of New York. But those of us that have been able to kind of bounce around a little bit, I think that there is a group of us that still can affect the matter at large by being the 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 inter, the interconnectedness of all these different communities, man mm-hmm. um so that that's my take on it mm-hmm. i just dis- I disagree with that. I I agree with it for her because maybe America is all she knew so far at 26, 28. But those of us that have, you know what I mean, moved around, those of us that have experienced more than just this culture, it's hard to just say, I'm just going to fight for this. I'm just going to fight for that. I actually want to fight for the betterment of all of us because I see me on that continent as I do over here. Mm -hmm. So that's, I mean, I don't disagree with her. I just think that that is... That doesn't give you the greatest feedback for whatever goal you have in mind, especially if the goal is any kind of like, you know, liberation or understanding, because she's still under the concept of the education system that told her black people sold her to white people in Africa, Mm -hmm. whereas the Portuguese came and stole people
1: for decades well, I mean, there were people that were profiting off the slave trade. Let's not There a were disillusion. The, if we're talking about there was, two there things. There was both. There was some stealing and there was some selling. Two things.
3: Africa still has slaves. Let me mm-hmm. tell you what an African slave is. When I went to my father's house at 27 years old, he had a boy from Ghana as his house boy. So what happens is whenever the car pulls up, the boy opens the, opens the garage door car pulls in he closes the garage door somebody Mm -hmm. comes to the door he's the person that greets them at the end of the day he's the one that makes sure all the lights are off and all the doors are locked he's the one that's patrolling the place at night sometimes Mm -hmm. he is not getting paid directly Mm -hmm. my father entered into a contract with his parents Mm -hmm. and he's basically renting this boy Mm -hmm. for a certain amount of time
1: right so he's an indentured servant
3: indentured servant Mm -hmm. so on the outside looking in he doesn't eat with the family he doesn't sit with the family. Yeah, he has his conversations. He has his relationships with people, but mm-hmm. he sleeps in that house over there. This is slavery. But this isn't America's slavery. This isn't King Leopold's slavery in mm-hmm. the Democratic Republic.
1: Of well, yeah, there's a there's a difference between I mean modern day um modern day like employer employee relationship is slavery. I call it pimp it, man. It's all the it's all the same thing. You work for somebody else, some, you know what I mean? So I mean, it's, it's, you can call it slavery. I mean, slavery has levels to it, but we well, when know, we're talking we about know the, the transatlantic slave exactly, trade and what these that, people were doing, yeah, this we is the, not what Africa, this is not what Africa had in mind. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, the transatlantic slave trade, chattel slavery, American chattel slavery chattel is different slavery. than indentured servitude, which is basically you work for somebody, you have an employer.
3: If I defeat you, and you have my a neighbor, contract. and I take you, I take your women or I take your children mm-hmm. into my village or whatever that mm-hmm. y'all
1: come live with me now as slaves
3: mm-hmm.
1: we're not beating you yeah I, under, I understand that I don't think we have to emphasize that like that's, that's just prisoner, prisoners of war but I mean there were Portuguese or you know white people Europeans that were coming over there stealing people but there was also you know people that were profit black you know Africans that were profiting off of it so we can't we can't just dismiss that there were people profiting off of it in Africa like that did happen Right, right. <laughs> that, that did happen, like. But, under, a- but we ha- I think we
3: what what frustrates me about when she start talking about like you know, and when Black Americans really do start talking about like, well, you know, Africans were selling us, so why should we give a damn about Africa? It's like you have to understand that Africa, Africans were not selling you into what we understand yeah, they, slavery to be. They didn't know they didn't
1: know what they were doing. They had
3: no idea. Yeah, yeah. So that is a loaded statement to say Black people sold Black people into slavery because that that presupposes. They understood what slavery was, and this is what was going on. They could. They were already doing, they, they didn't do anything different from their neighbors than they did with the Europeans. Oh, yeah, we captured these people. You guys want them? Sure. You know, yeah, them, put I them mean, on your boat, whatever you want
1: to do. The, the Europeans didn't invent slavery. Definitely not. So, I mean, that's not, I don't think anyone is saying that. I don't think that's the, uh... That's but the, the sentiment is, Africa didn't give a damn about black Americans, well, I don't. I don't think that's what she's saying. That Africa didn't give a damn about her, so therefore she didn't give a damn about Africa. What I mean, the way I took it is that I don't care. It's like I can. I can only control what I can control. I can't. I can't fight for everybody. Like you have to have some type of focused concentration of energy on a certain topic to be able to. Handle that to be able to complete that task. Like you got to have a goal in mind, and you got to work towards that. I can't liberate people on this continent and that continent at the same time. I'm only one person. I can only focus my energy on a, one, really one thing at a time. Like multitasking just means you're doing a couple things. Medi- <laughs> exactly. media exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's like, when Mediacal. she says, "So when she says, I don't really care about what's going on with my third world brothers and sisters, I can only focus on what's going on right here." I don't falter for that statement. Like I understand. Like yeah, fix your you, you're neighborhood probably first. Right. Yeah, 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 like yeah. fix your block first, and then once your block is fixed, then I can start worrying about other people, or, and that's when I can really. If focus I even my need energy. to at
3: all, if we all picked up on that and said we all did this, we wouldn't have to worry about other people.
1: Exactly. Or the select few that couldn't do it for themselves for whatever reason. So. Yeah. So I mean, I I feel her on that. Um, now, as far as like. The the conversation that black Americans have saying that, you know, we got sold into slavery by our our family or by our fellow Africans or black people, whatever. That is loaded. And that's that's a whole nother conversation. And there's a lot to unpack there. But I think just between you and I, bro, like we know what that is. We know that they did not know that what they were sending people towards was chattel slavery right. because chattel slavery didn't exist over there and so
3: that's I'm, good yeah, I, I, yeah
1: I, i'm glad i'm glad to hear you say
3: that and i i never assumed that you were that person but we never even had this dynamic of that
1: we ne- I don't think we never had, had
3: this that. conversation about that dynamic yeah, specifically yeah, yeah. so i did it, it really does feel good to hear you say yeah we know that we know that there. Yeah, because between often, me and you, bro like, we know
1: we know, okay. Word. Yeah, man. Word. Um,
3: I hope, now, yeah, and, and this doesn't stay between me and you luckily. So you know what I oh, mean? I hope the sure. people that get to hear this get to either agree with this or to consider this, to mm-hmm. chew on this for a little while yeah. and,
1: and they may have some information or knowledge that we don't have. So we always we're always open for discussion absolutely. on that. Now what James said before she got into that bag was he was agreeing with something that Malcolm X had said that white is a state of mind. I don't know if I'm buying that, but I get what he's trying to say. Yeah, tell me what he's trying to say. I think this is this is my take on what I think he's trying to say. When he says white is a state of mind, it's you can be and actually if we play the clip further, she kind of gets into it. They both get into it, but like they, they talk about how like Nikki says, Well, you can be you can be black with a white mind. Um, you can be, of course, white with a white mind. But you can't be white with the black mind. So it doesn't matter if it is a state of mind. At the end of the day, it comes down to the skin color. That's that's what Nikki said. What what James is just saying is like, it's just the way that they operate.
3: in The way that they interact with the
1: world. Yeah, the way that they interact with the world as a superiority complex. So if you, because I think what he's talking about is because he, he was living in France or something like mm-hmm. that. He left America. So he got treated differently over there than he got treated over here in America. And so that white superiority, supremacist mind state, I don't think he experienced it in France the way he experienced it in America. So that when he says that to her, she's like, all the white people I came across is like, you know what I mean? They all the same. But he goes, the France white man is different than the. United States or the British white man, whatever the case might be. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of what he was saying, and even Malcolm was saying. Because when Malcolm went to Mecca and he broke bread and he did all them things with all those you know white Muslims, that white man, just because his 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 skin color was his brother, skin color didn't determine how that white man treated him. And so when you come to America, it's all about skin color because the racial classification is set and there's certain you relate to people and deal with people based upon that white race, black race, yellow whatever they call red they call Indians red you know like you deal with people based upon that racial classification so you have this mindset well I'm white and white people think like this we we're whatever we're this we're that we're that and the black people are this that whatever and so that's how they deal that's how people relate and deal with each other and so i think that's what james was trying to get across because he's had that different experience and even malcolm had a different experience so that's why he said that
3: this is another reason and this was it always brings me back to like i want black people to get out of this country mm. because there is something to be experienced when you step out of this culture mm. Especially this culture that doesn't have you in mind. Yeah. That doesn't have you. Actually, it does have you in mind, but it has a very specific spot for you <laughs> in this culture. Yeah. At the very bottom. Mm-hmm. And being able to exhale. I mean, the racism here is so thick. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. the constant. It, it, yes it's thick and being able to get out of this country is one of the most important things that i think i've done in my life because i was enculturated here for sure i didn't have generations of people telling me who i was and where i came from but i did have a very real connection i do have a very real connection to understanding what it is to be black in america yeah and it just felt totally different leaving america but representing America. Mm. It's like we're Superman, you know? Mm. They really, really do see you, especially if you have any kind of knowledge of self or understanding of who you are in the grander scheme of things. Yeah, There, I swear someone called me an Omec <laughs> when I was in Mexico. I swear. <laughs> yeah. I swear. I thought she said, oh, but I, but I really think she said Omec. Oh, I don't know. I don't mm. know, but I, I, I'll swear on it. But it is, it is, it is imperative mm. to have that understanding of developing that, you can call it superiority, developing that self-worth at the end of the day. That's what it, that's what it creates in you. It creates in you a a value because you don't have people telling you who you are constantly. Mm. Mm -hmm. You really do have the ability to, to branch away and say, Oh, you know what? I want to be able to exercise this capability as long, as long as you're good, people are going to celebrate you. And I think that James Baldwin has a really great um, uh, uh, experience that should lead more of us to leaving this country
0: not and to you, not to
1: live but just to experience what it is to be outside of here and you, what you said is very profound like everyone has been telling us who we are yeah for sure and they we, have to and, and we believe and we play oh, into it no, well, well i mean again this is a game that black people don't do Did oh you
3: you hiking right you got a you got a dog bro africans when africans yo you got you have a dog <laughs> Are you one of these white people? <laughs> oh, did, your dog sleeps inside of the house. <laughs> do you do you eat off the same plate as your dog? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Do you kiss your dog in the mouth? I've been seeing these people be kissing their uh, their own dogs. Yo, people look at me like, who? Yo, what? What's your name again? Yeah. And this is in Nigeria. I show them pictures of my dog. There was mm-hmm. only one uncle. My my family came over. Yeah. They looked at me and my dog's relationship. They were like, "What is this? Are you?" are you going to have my wife why are you treating your dog like this this is a dog my uncle victor shout out to uncle victor he was the only one that really understood the relationship between me and my dog you know yeah, what i mean like it yeah. was it's rare though it's rare and he's one of my uncles that has traveled so they don't have dogs they have dogs of course
1: oh but they just keep them outside
3: of course okay feed them the scraps yeah keep them outside yeah. don't ever train them if they're walking, if they're the stray dogs, just kick them, throw something at them, get them away from you. Mm. There is no relationship. Mm. There is no relationship at all mm. with, I would say, with any non-human okay. in, Afri- in present-day Af- mm. Nigeria. For sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that is, a, that's a westernized, that's a, what do you call it? A benefit or that's one of the things that. You have the ability to do because you're in, oh, man, you're in America. Damn, you got so much money. You can buy your dog dog food? Really? <laughs>
1: you don't just feed them whatever you don't eat? Yeah, they got their own market. food? Yeah. Man, please. Bro, when I heard about doggy daycares, I'm like, yo, what kind of world are we living in, Bro. Bro, tell, when tell I yo, see tell people, your uncle about doggy daycare, bro,
3: I refuse. I refuse because <laughs> he's really gonna look at me like, oh, this soft blankety blank blank. Yo, you are doing too much. Even not even doggy. De- bro, when you see someone walking their child on a leash mm. and pushing their little Chihuahua in a stroller, mm. that's when I knew this is cr-
1: this. This is upside down right now, bro. That's a fact, bro. Because this
3: is the world we live in right now, man. Yeah. People's children walk more than their dogs. But I'll you
1: know? I'll I, I will say this about that. That's some white people stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Profundity just happened, y'all. I, I want you to take note at this hey, point. Sometimes, so I'm, I'm trying to you try to get away from like the stereotypes and you know the classifications, but that's some white people. It's definitely some white people shit. Yeah, well, man, man. it's not, it's not happening, bro. No, I get that, you yeah. I definitely
3: and but see again. How does how do people outside of America understand that? Yeah, how do people outside of America really understand that there is white American culture and black American culture? And a lot of the stuff that you like from white American culture came from black American culture. Mm-hmm. And these are very distinct cultures. I tell people all the time when Tom uh, Bowtie, Bowtie, uh, bow, Bowie, 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 David Bowie, okay. When David Bowie died, did that mean anything to you? No. Do you, could you name two songs from David Bowie? Is he in a group? Couldn't tell you. Oh, okay. All I knew was and you know what there were some people that was like yo David Bowie put a b- bunch of black people on he used to, he was the first white guy to have like black choirs and blah blah. third Rob, Bob Dylan all these people that is as american as american pie but I know he put black people on he uh, like he was the one that introduced black people like black choirs and black um black background
1: singers introduced it to white people introduced it to pop to pop music okay he introduces it to white people yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. If black I'm, people are going to give David Bowie the, the No, black people didn't. No. Oh, white saying, people are giving. White people, white people oh, are giving him credit. Yeah, so white people. yeah, who cares? I don't care? <laughs> I don't care what credit they give to him.
3: Nor nor do I know who he, know who he is. <laughs> yeah. But let me tell you that uh, that's that's American. That's apple pie. Sweet potato pie is um, Harold and the Harold and the Blue Notes mm. you know what I'm saying and yeah. I just learned them not too long ago because yeah, yeah. I've been bumping a lot of Teddy Pendergrass this past weekend man. oh yeah his first couple albums are fantastic man Joe Button
1: got you inspired huh?
3: Joe Button got me inspired to understand to find out who Harold and the Blue Notes was mm. but I've been uh, Teddy is Teddy's my boy man yeah I'm, in these last two years, I'm telling you, this is Black American culture that I really have. To, that I'm, I'm literally studying Black mm-hmm. American culture. Mm-hmm. You can't study Black American culture without listening to gospel music. I refuse. Mm-hmm. You can't study Black American culture without understanding what Thanksgiving is at a Black American household, mm-hmm. different from any other household in the world mm-hmm. when it comes to that time of day. Mm-hmm. I just learned how to place uh oh, dominoes the other day, bro. Good for you, bro. Thank you, man. Man. Hey, excuse me, excuse me. I learned how to slap bones the other
1: day. (laughs) There you go. I feel you. There you go. That's the
3: difference right there. Playing dominoes and slapping bones, man. These are the things that I want to help cultivate and understand to create some kind of cohesion Mm. between third world people, people here. Hey, we don't have to use that term, bro. Third world? Yeah. Okay. Between people outside of America and people here. Yeah. But again, I know world, both. Third world is
1: so disrespectful.
3: Third world is, yeah, you're that's right. so disrespectful. You're right. First world, second world. Who, who, and I, and hate, skip, I hate you And that. they skip second world too. That's what's even crazy. Yeah, they like, just no, go from we can't, first to third, straight bro? to third. Isn't wow. Wow. Yeah, Thank the you the for that. Thank you for that. Real. For yeah. that change, um. no doubt. Um, so I don't want to vilify her, but I do want to say that I want better. But maybe I can say that because I did more at that. I did more at my age than she did at her age. So I can't knock her for that. I would love for her to do like a follow up to this. And to say what, what are you talking about?
1: This, this, is is a, this is the 70s.
3: But this is also when she was 20-something years old. Yeah. I would love to have seen what happened when she was able to do book tours around the world.
1: Well, I'm, it, it's probably out there. I mean, you could probably research it. We'll see. Yeah. Spain a
2: powerful nation. You can't call Franco a powerful man. He's got a whole nation in jail. But that's not power. Mm. No. You know what I mean?
0: Exactly. Right. No. His game isn't running.
2: Precisely. Precisely. Now, when our game starts running... And after all, after all, baby, we have survived the roughest game in the history of the world. Yeah. You know, we really have. No, no, no matter what we say against ourselves, you know, no matter what our limits and hang-ups are, cool. you know, we have, come through some, we have come through something. You know, and if we can get this far, we can get further. You know, and we got this far by, by means which no one understands, including you and me. We're only, beginning to, we're only beginning to apprehend it, and you're a poet precisely because you are beginning to apprehend it and put it into a, into a form, you know, which will be useful for your kid and his kid, you know, and for the world. Because we're not obliged to accept the world's definitions. Just because white people say they're white, we're not obliged to believe it. You know? I Just because the Pope says he's a Christian, we're not obliged to believe it. It
0: would be crazy you know? if
2: we did. We had to make our own definitions and begin to rule the world that way. Because kids, white and black, cannot use what they have been given. You know? And they're rejecting it. They're rejecting it. Nobody wants to become the president of Pan Am or the governor of California or a spirit Agnew. The kids want to live.
0: Yeah.
2: You know. And we have, out of a terrifying suffering, a certain sense of life which everybody needs.
3: That is, mm. whew. yo, there's <laughs> so many gems in this two-hour conversation, man. Yeah, it's heavy. Again, going to our last conversation, Black America has gone through something that no one else can compare to. Yeah, I think about slavery 1.0 when it comes to the colonization of Africa. Mm-hmm what happened in King Leopold and the Democratic of Congo. 25 million black people killed.
1: Heinous, bro.
3: Heinous, right? Dwindles the Holocaust. Talk about the Holocaust. Dwindles in comparison. Yeah. But what I do want to talk about is how the refining of that system, taking people away from what they're connected to. Vocals are a little hot, it seems. Thank you, thank you. Okay. Vocals. uh, Vocals. There we go. There is a... um, there needs to be a concerted effort to understand the differences within our culture about our culture. Mm. So black Americans, that, black, black Americans that grew up here, but from immigrant parents, do have a responsibility to really understand what is going on in america mm. because too many of us i haven't been one of those children I, sometimes as, as i get older i find myself fortunate that i didn't have the parents that flew to africa every summer mm-hmm. or i didn't have the parents that flew me to the Caribbean every summer and i spent you know what i mean this t- this time or that time with this parent or that parent i've definitely been in the trenches my entire life and mm-hmm. it's crazy because i'm i'm representing a culture that within the culture they look at me and I'm like yo what's your name no nah, you mean you represent black black culture like that man but when mm-hmm. you got when i go outside of black culture Oh, you're American. (laughs) All right, that's cool. Yeah, blah, blah, I sat there. Yeah. What about this experience do you think black people can take away from it? Because the whole world is looking at black culture. What do you mean exactly? Besides the creative abilities, besides being able to draw from deep pain to create some of the most dynamic music that the world has seen, Mm -hmm. whether it's jazz, and everything that came around it and after it, hip hop, hip hop is number one. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. all around the world. Mm-hmm. How do we? How do we use that understanding of what has gone on within the American community? I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to figure out how do we use. How do we either tell that story to people outside of this country, or how
1: do we?
3: I don't. I don't know what I'm trying to ask. I just well, think. That I, that think was really I think profiling.
1: what. Yeah, what uh, what James was saying um, and what you're kind of alluding to is that we have to create our own definitions and live by our own definitions. So that's that's one of the things that I've talked about continuously throughout the life of the, of the podcast for the past two years Um And when when you and I had our discussion about race, it wasn't about who you are materially, but who you are on paper and the narrative that is pushed. And are you who you are because they told you or are you who you are because you know who you are and you create your own definition of who you are? And so that's why I always talk about breaking away from From race as far as like the classification, like we have to declassify, we have to create our own definitions, we have to write our own story, we have to we have to tell it our way without using their, I want to say language because we are all speaking English, but without using their acronyms, without using their terms, we have to do everything on our on our terms. So we have to take total ownership of our story, total ownership of our business Total ownership of our talent. Total ownership of everything that we do, and we cannot continue to give it away to someone else so that they can repackage it and put a white label on it, for lack of a better term. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I do. And so that's why when, when I always have these conversations about black culture and what is black culture and what's the value of it, I don't see as much value as others because. If you don't own what you create, yeah, there's value in it. But if it's not valuable, valuable to you, then what good is it? If it only if it greatly benefits others and it benefits yourself and you are the creator. You see what I'm saying?
3: I do, man. And it's music is a great example of that, because so many people we we know of their music, and we know of their contributions to you know, maybe the musical genre, whatever genre they're a part of. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, we don't even know if they're the ones making the money off of their music. Oh, we know they're not the ones. Not for a lot of people. I have no idea what Teddy Pendergrass splits were. You know, what I'm saying I had no idea what he was doing when he was Harold and Blue Notes. I had no idea what Sam Cooke was doing when he was with his gospel, you know, band, and who 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 was in who was enjoying the benefits of those. Of those dollars being spent.
1: You know what I mean? It wasn't them. I mean, I think the artists can tell you to this day it wasn't them. And even right now, like the contracts were bad then. <laughs> they're definitely, they're still bad nothing, now. It feels
3: like nothing is, literally nothing has
1: changed. The only thing that's changed is the internet. So so the people that are taking advantage of that are caking up and they don't have to work as hard. But so Chance, the, internet so the, Chance great... the Rapper, Chance the Rapper does not have to put out three, he doesn't have to put out an album a year mm-hmm. to make 10, through, a, 10,
3: through a publishing, D. yeah, he doesn't have
1: to do that to make ten million dollars a year. He can just put up merch. Like he said, he made six million off hats.
3: One hat specifically. Just
1: After he put the out the three. coloring book, he went on two tours. Two tours. He came to Portland twice, if I'm not mistaken. But he went. He had two separate tours that he went on. Oh, the same. Off of one album.
3: That's
1: wild. He went on a tour pre Grammy and post Grammy. So he can he can generate money off of all that stuff without being signed to a major label and having someone own his master's and his publishing. He owns everything. But if it wasn't for the Internet, that medium and being able to use that, Mm -hmm. he couldn't do that. He literally would have to sign away a good portion of his whatever Mm -hmm. of his equity to someone else. No doubt. And that's what everybody is still doing to this day for the most part. So there's not there's not as many people. I mean, but now artists are starting to get their masters. Um, Jay-Z, of course, has his masters. Um, uh, who else has his masters? Uh, 2 Chains definitely has his masters. I don't know if Nas does. Um, Russell Wilson just bought Sierra's masters. That's, wow. And that's the reason why she hasn't been making music because she, you know, she was getting, getting screwed off.
3: Oh, she was getting screwed off of
1: her. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. she wasn't gonna make that else until she, yeah. And so, yeah, bro. I don't know where I was going with that.
3: But. Right. Some of these, uh, some of these clips really just sit on their own. and There's nothing to be said about them, and some of them really require us uh, to dig deeper. But I also think that both were equally as important to the conversation.
1: But I, one thing I do want to touch on is, uh, he said. Kids, kids cannot use what they've been given, and that makes me think about the Dame Dash Breakfast Club interview. We, oh, when he starts saying like being a if boss, you're a bo-
3: if you a bo- yeah, yeah, and That's-
1: he and he's talking to envy, but what he he said it in a very tone deaf, Con- condescending way, condescending tone deaf way, and he apologized for that, but but the the nature of what he said, just the wisdom from it, is similar to what James is saying. Kids cannot use what they've been given. You can't pass down a job to your kids. You have to have you have to take ownership. You have to have ownership. You have to have equity. If you don't have equity, if you don't have ownership, kids cannot use what they've been given. They've been given nothing. You've been given a job. You've been put in a place, paid a certain wage, a fraction of what you're bringing in to the company and when you die and you pass on or when you retire and you you can't give all the work that you've done and that you built up you can't give that to your kids they
3: have to start all over again they
1: got to start from scratch start from zero
3: yeah that's wild
1: and so it just makes me think about that just taking ownership um going the business route having equity in what you do so that you have leverage
3: is having a business buying into this country?
1: No, because business is universal.
2: Which every
1: mean? every company has has a business. Every country has business. Mm-hmm.
3: That's true.
1: So business is just a a way of operating in within that and living, country, within the world. Every everywhere is business everywhere. Ain't nothing new about business. No, what I'm
3: saying is, is there a way, is that investing in this country? No. It's not investing in this country.
1: No. It's investing in yourself. You can either invest in someone, you can invest in yourself, or you can invest in someone else. Uh-huh. I agree with that. So a business is just investing in yourself. You control this asset. It's just like either you can rent or you can buy a house. So all the money that you pay, you are paying off a loan when you own a house. But then once you pay off the loan, the house is yours.
3: You're paying te- property taxes every year.
1: So what? It's my house. And you can make so money off so of your when house. you rent, you're paying the owner's property taxes. So either you can pay someone else's taxes, or you're going to pay your, your own taxes. But at the end of the day, taxes are getting paid. <laughs> Because you're in the country, and the country requires people to pay taxes, so taxes going to get paid you can't you can't escape death and taxes Two so you can, can either see. own or you can rent you could pay somebody else's taxes or you can pay your own taxes.
3: I don't care about my th- mm, I that I agree with that We cannot believe that people tell us I can't wait to get to this like i, I saved it. I wish I would have um I'm sure' I saved exactly what clip it is but it was a clip where they were talking about it was of course it was a Jesus conversation
1: it was around 26 that was when she's talking about she didn't have much to, to offer 2650 right. and then
2: 28 and 2650? That's mm-hmm. 2650 you know, and we have out of a terrifying suffering a certain sense of life which everybody needs you know and that's morality for me you know, you use the word morals, I would use the word energy. Okay. You see what I mean? I can follow that, yeah. You know, it, anyway, it's a very mysterious endeavor, isn't it, you know? Because oh, the key is love.
0: I was going to say, it's hard to figure out black people. And that's, <laughs> uh, no, really, I mean, you know. You know. You, I know. It's very hard because you say, um, let's say somebody like you, you've been out of the church for a long time, okay? I grew up, of course, in a Baptist church. And I really dig the church. I do, too. I think it's a very cool... I do, too. I I can't dig the theology, but the music and and the energies of the church. Yes. But then I went to uh, the New York Community Choir. had its um, anniversary recently, its first anniversary. And I went up to an AME Zion church, as a matter of fact. And the lady was singing, some lady was singing, Yes, Jesus Loves Me. And people started shouting. You know what I mean? Yes, Yeah, yeah. People were shouting. And it hit me as I was sitting there. My God, as a so-called black militant. I have nothing stronger to offer than Jesus.
2: Yeah, and but you, you see, yeah but, yeah, but you, baby.
0: And that was a mind. It blew, as a matter of fact, church, <laughs> you said, ain't that a bitch? <laughs> I made hey, that was testified, ain't that?
2: <laughs> It blew my mind. Baby, what we did with Jesus was not, was, you know, was not supposed to happen. <laughs> yeah, you know, I at can all. believe that. No. Yeah. we took him, we took that cat over we did. and made him ours. has nothing whatever to do with, the, with that white Jesus in Montgomery, Alabama, that white church. We did something else with him. We made him ours. Some of in us knew that he was always really a nigger. Because, you know, Swedes don't come from Israel. (laughs) (laughs) You know? You had to be fairly dark.
0: Well, white people really deal more with
2: God, and black people more with Jesus. No, they they don't even deal with God. They don't deal with God. God, for them, seems to be some some metaphor for purity and for safety. You know?
3: Yeah, that metaphor for purity and safety. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I thought that that was a really interesting conversation because... Black people have done something with religion that n- I think no one else on this country has done. Oh, in, mm-hmm. this, in, this, in this country specifically, but in this world as well. Mm-hmm. Being able to take a savior that doesn't look like them and create, I mean, magic almost with that savior in mind. Um, it seems more of a political instrument outside of the black community. What
1: magic are, is being created?
3: Gospel music is magic, bro. Mm. It is literally a god spell that you put on people to get them into a, a, a way, mm. a vibe. Mm-hmm. I think that that is absolutely magic. Yeah. Being able to see black people at peace with an image of the person that has done you know what I mean has done them wrong historically mm-hmm. is really incredible. Yeah. Um, but I think more more important is that there is a there's a huge disconnect in in. Religion and Christianity within the black community and the white community. Do you think with your um, with your understanding of religion more, with your not even understanding, but with your outside perception, mm-hmm. because you've been in it for so long, now that you've taken a step back from it. You haven't abandoned it, but you've taken a step outside of typical religious. Ceremonies. I have
1: abandoned religion, religion. altogether, for okay. sure. OK. So and this is a recent revelation for me. Recent. I don't know. Disposition.
3: Do you want to talk about the recent um the most recent uh
1: strife that you've had with religion? Uh yeah man, I mean I I've, I've, I've talked about it pretty consistently, bro, but like now I'm at, I've never haven't really talked too much outside of my wife uh probably my guy Mondo and you talked about in detail like why I am Just distancing, distancing myself from religion altogether. Anything that like religion just can easily lead you to be intellectually dishonest with yourself and others. What part of religion specifically? Any, any information or knowledge that contradicts the narrative that your religion pushes. Um, and like, if if there's some true information, and it goes against a theory or a thought process of your religion, it'll lead you to just reject it. That because, like blind because faith, uh, whatever I don't, I don't know, you can call it what you want, but it it leads you to reject it. To it re- doesn't, and it doesn't matter what the religion is, mm-hmm. whatever you believe. Mm-hmm. Typically, with the no, I always just put it like this whatever you believe, you are going to back it, right? You're going to roll with it because that's what you believe. Yes, sir. And this is what my belief system says about X, Y, and Z. So if you come with some information that contradicts X, Y, and Z, I got to reject it. Because if I don't, that means I don't have faith. Or my faith is weak. You know? And so. Where is faith useful? Because we see
3: how dangerous faith can be, blind faith especially. Mm -hmm. When you're seeing something that makes sense, but because it contradicts your religion, you have to reject it. Where does that, where is that faith useful? This is what I struggle with. Faith is all, it's
1: all, it's useful every, I mean, it's useful when you. Like religion, it's like
3: we can live a world without religion. Yeah. Can we live in a world without faith? And it's and we still figure out how But this to, world
1: is founded on faith. You know what I mean?
3: No, I don't know what you mean.
1: Well, it depends on what your definition of faith is, but like the definition that I know and it could be off, but the definition that I know is faith is like believing in... Faith is like the substance... What is it? The substance of what's hoped for. So the same way that Faith is hope. Like it feels
3: like defining faith with faith.
1: I don't know, man. But what what is your personal understanding? That's that's, that's what I'm trying to get at. It's like faith is what. What do they say? It's it's real biblical. That's all I know. It's like like it's like the substance of that which is hoped for. You know what I mean? So like, but but faith is like when you if you're getting out of a religious framework and you're just talking about consciousness. And speaking things into existence. And when Jesus says pray and have faith. Because if you don't have faith, you're not going to receive that which you ask for. You can not be a part of a religion and still pray and still hope and still have positive thoughts about I want to I want to be this. I want to do that. I want to achieve this. I want to achieve that. And you pray for it. And you meditate on it mm-hmm. and you focus your energy on it mm-hmm. so that it manifests, so that it comes. So outside of a religious a religious framework is more of like a, a manifestation of that which you imagine.
3: So the I faith see is things, having it already done.
1: I see things that I imagine. There you go. Thank but you, you don't Solange. need faith. You Thank don't you, need Solange. Eyes. F- I see things that I imagine. Bar things I imagine. <laughs> how many times did she say <laughs> it? <In> that Sixty-eight. <laughs> that's all she said, bro. That's all that's all she said. The intro, bro. So so faith is like i s I'm seeing things that I imagine. You don't I, need faith thoughts, if you're seeing things thoughts, you imagine. Thoughts though. are, but that's I mean, that's just how I interpret it. You know what I mean? So faith is like believing something is going to come when it hasn't yet come. Oh uh, okay. that's that's what faith is. Okay. Okay. You have faith in Jesus that when you die if you have a relationship with him, your soul is intact and you will be able to have a commute. You will be able to commune with the father and go to whatever you think is heaven or if you think, you know, um, heaven is going to come down to earth and we're going to reign here for a thousand years. Whatever you believe, you know, from from the Bible, you have faith that you will be in that number, that you will not go to hell. You will not go to the lake of fire and that you will live with God and rule and reign with him for eternity or whatever the case might be. So that's like a Christian framework of a, you have faith that this is going to happen because you do this you know what I mean and so in whatever other religious belief like you have faith that you know if you do X Y and Z when you reincarnate you will come back as something positive you know what I mean you have faith that yeah, you can't that. prove it but you do But but what you do is driven by what you think is going to come from it, so you have faith that these good things are going to come if you do it this way. That's that's how I see faith. So everybody operates on a level of faith, in my opinion.
3: Yeah, when you drive, I guess you have to really operate on.
1: You the, have faith that other people. You have there. faith that when that light goes green <laughs> for you, that nobody's going to come through <laughs> and smack you because you have faith that yo these people are going to. They true. know how to drive. That's faith. That's that's faith. Mm -hmm. You don't know if they're going to do the right thing, but you you know they'll probably do the right thing, bro. People are cool over here in America. We should, you know, we're we're decent drivers. If it says green, I'm I'm going, and I'm I'm not going to get hit. It's it's green. So I mean, to me, that's that's faith. But when it when it comes to religion, um, if everybody's right, then everybody's wrong. Come on, exactly. Life and life is in in the more and more I think about it, everyone. Not everyone has the opportunity to even understand all of this complex when it comes to, you know, belief in Abrahamic faith. Like You don't even have the time. Not everyone doesn't have time. So if everyone doesn't have time or everyone doesn't even have the cognitive ability to even know what's right and what's wrong. Most people do what they're told and they trust people above. They trust authority figures. And there's a lot of authority figures that don't even know what they believe. They just they're doing what's been what's being passed down. So when I started um, studying more of a like Hebrew, Israelite type of format of study, I realized like a lot of what we're doing in American Christianity is based off of Roman Catholicism. And a lot of what Roman Catholicism has done has like they warped. A lot of what was done like from the Old Testament, quote, unquote, Old Testament and moving into the quote, unquote, New Testament era, you know, post Jesus. And so they've taken the original stuff of the Jews and they flipped the Sabbath and they flipped certain um, holidays. And like there were things that was that's been like ordained by God, according to the Old Testament. And then they just take it and do it, do a whole different thing. Mm -hmm. And they create their own thing. And they say, if you do it that way, if you follow the law, if you follow Passover, if you follow all these things, you're you're wrong. And you're going to have all these curses or all these whatever heaped judgment heaped upon you, because all you need to do is believe in Jesus. And that's all. That's it. All this other stuff. Don't don't worry about it because Jesus, he fixed all of it. And then but then you read in the Bible, it never says that that was it. It still says, like, you should follow the laws and statutes and commandments and you should have the testimony of christ it says that in revelation you know what i mean so it's just like man we've been doing it all wrong the whole time according to the bible if you follow the bible but then it's like so many people have not taught it that way but there are so many good people that are just trying to do good
3: regardless of what religion
1: and they're doing the best that they can do based upon what they've been taught Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and not everyone has time to dive deep and study, people are struggling to live, bro.
3: People are surviving.
1: People are trying to survive. Everyone can't be a scholar.
3: Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree with that.
1: You know, and, and so it's like if everyone earlier, can't come to that realization, bro, and, and not everyone has enough time. And what you people, said was people even, when somebody, young,
3: even when somebody has a tool doesn't mean it's the right tool, right? And how could Tell how, me and how that, you know? How could you know whatever you're using is right or wrong?
1: How could you know? And if it doesn't apply to everyone, then how then how can you apply it to everyone? Like the this what is so, bro, Yo. this
3: is so beautiful to hear this cuz a year ago I asked you my grandmother never learned English. Yeah. So she never knew anything about Jesus. Mm-hmm. If she died, where would she go? And you were like Yo, bro, <laughs> according
1: to the Bible, she's okay. going to hell. Oh, man, and, so, and that's a, that's a fact. According to the Bible, mm-hmm. your grandmother is going to hell because she didn't know Jesus. But, but hearing you
3: say that according to the Bible, according to you, how do you feel? I don't know. That's that's good enough for me. That is out of our whole relationship, mm-hmm. this is the pinnacle. I think we are as close as we can possibly be mm. because I said. I don't know, mm-hmm. but you're too confident. <laughs> people that are doing this, you don't just say, you don't know because we don't, but so many religion says but I do, know
1: you. Yeah. You, if you ascribe to the religion, you yes. do know you have all the answers because the book that's told you, because bro. the book told you that this is the only way hmm. and that this is the word of God, that these like, that's it. God only spoke to these people.
3: Right.
1: Religion says that I didn't say that. Yes. But I ascribe to the religion, and so therefore, I have to take that on. So can you still use the Bible, take out religion, and
3: formulate your own understanding of what may happen to my grandmother?
1: No. Well, yes, you you can. So if you study the Bible correctly and if you're taught correctly, um, you you would just conclude that she's resting. Because even in the Bible, it says that, you know, the ancestor, the, the forefathers, like they're just resting. And so this American notion, American Christianity, Roman Catholic saying that as soon as you die, you go to heaven. There's nothing in the Bible that actually says when you die, you go to this heaven like place that is not here. But if you read Revelation, it talks about the kingdom the old Jerusalem and the new Jerusalem and the new Jerusalem is like basically heaven coming down to earth. You know, how people say as above is below, mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. what it says is Jesus is going to come back and he's going to, and, and there's going to be a, a great war. You know what I mean? And then like the new Jerusalem will come down and, and Jesus is going to reign on David's throne for a thousand. Years. Like there's, so there's, It's specific, but like in in church in America, like no one teaches Revelation because it's a hard book. There's a lot of things that they don't teach. And so we're just taught a few things, just basic New Testament stuff, a few things out of Psalms, Proverbs, Mm -hmm. Genesis, Mm -hmm. a few nice little stories about Daniel and the lions and just basic stuff that you've been learning since you was a kid. And they still talk about because it's easy. It's Job, you know, it's just easy. It's easy stuff. But there's some hard things in there that's not taught but everything is necessary for that religion but our level of understanding is still on a childlike level because it's it's not taught in a super like scholastic way to where we could build upon
3: previous knowledge and really get deep into it
1: yeah because it's it's not it's not profitable to to teach it in that manner Uh oh man so with that being said (laughs) With that being said, <laughs> uh, yeah, the the images of white Jesus i mean, they always they always annoy me, you know. But now when I see white it's like, dang, bro, what is right? It's going more on of a p-
3: for me. It's more of a like a, a sad thing mm-hmm. than it's even. Before I used to get angry. Now I'm just like, man, you're really victim to this. You know what I'm saying? It's like, bad. oh, you're eating well. Oh yeah, you're exercising. Oh man, you're, you got your own business going. You got your kids and this and the third black spread. Oh damn. Jesus, Jesus is on your wall? What's he Jesus, look like? Yeah. Oh, man.
1: And, that's, and it goes back to what, what James Baldwin said earlier in the conversation is how, like, we become our own oppressors mm. when we take on the ideas of our oppressor.
3: It's taking on the ideas is fine. But what's something that you don't give yourself enough credit for? is taking on the ideas of the creator or of the oppressor for a long time. Mm-hmm. But then finally questioning those ideas. Mm-hmm. I think that's what separates a lot of people that go your path. Mm-hmm. Is that yo? I've been I've been doing this forever. Mm-hmm. Even if though, I, even if I've been doing this forever, let me still ask myself why I'm yeah. twenty I mean, years deep into this rela- religion. Yeah, this relationship basically is what it is. Yeah, let me question why I'm in this relationship. And yeah. as soon as you start questioning this relationship, it seemed like things started to unravel, and a truth that was inside of a lot of this fluff Mm -hmm. came to being and now you're just focused on that piece of truth and and you cut
1: through all this other business it's crazy because there's i mean there's a lot of truth in the bible and it's i mean it's not the ultimate historical book but it has good good stories it's a great tool for your life it's it's an amazing tool and so um it, it might be one of the best but it but if it's taken in a religious way where you have to ignore but that's the thing. Like when it comes to, honestly, like the the New Testament is hard to to decipher what is a hundred percent like this is someone's real account or what was potentially embellished and written in a religious way, you know. But and hopefully, so,
3: you can develop that sense to say, okay, I'll take this bit, but I'll throw away the rest of it. Jesus swept is my favorite verse of the Bible. Mm. It's a real nigga, dog. Mm. Only real men can cry, yo. Mm -hmm. Speaking of men can cry, I want to ask you this question when we were talking about your children. Do you, is your son, does your son cry? Of course, he's a kid. But, yeah, yeah, okay, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I don't know when we start, when we start, when they start mocking us and they start noticing that we don't cry so that they don't cry. Oh,
1: I cry in front of my kid. That's dope, man. Yeah. I mean, when I had to, you know, break the news to my son about, you know, the homie Kendall passing, like, of course I'm going to cry, bro. Like, that's my that's, that's my guy. Your son had a relationship with him, too? Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. cried a little bit. Actually, he shed, like, one thug tear. He one thug? Yeah. Thugs cry. Yeah, man. I get that, man. But, yeah, man, it's it's real. Like, you, you don't want to...
3: Rest in peace yeah. to Kendall and yeah. uh, condolences to his family and your family. For sure. Because I know that, that this bro. is a loss, man. This is a loss on all sides. And no matter what age, it's just like... When you take the time to invest in somebody, you know that they're worth investing in. Yeah. And when the community loses somebody that's worth investing in, it hurts the whole community. Yeah,
1: but it's it's always it always hurts a little bit more when they're as young as he was. He was 24. And um, yeah, bro. Huh. You're yeah, rest in power. Word. Oh.